Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you audit your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Hello, America, and happy Friday. We got a great show for you. We're going to talk to one of the great Second Amendment experts in the country, Amy Swearer. You've seen her. She's at Heritage Foundation. She had an epic battle on Capitol Hill not too long ago with Congresswoman Katie Porter over the impact of some of the Democratic legislation to rein in guns. The Congresswoman kind of suggested that Amy gave false testimony. Amy didn't take it sitting down. She fought right back. And she's also doing some really great analysis of just where the state of the Second Amendment is, what Democrats are trying to do it, what solutions aren't being talked about that could be beneficial to mass violence like the shooting in Uvalde or the shooting in Buffalo, and the under over on raising red flags on the red flag gun laws, those laws that allow someone's guns to be taken away if one believes they pose a threat She is really remarkably leading the argument, much more than the NRA has been recently. She also is a big advocate for the growing number of women who are gun owners, Second Amendment champions. That's a big growth area in the Second Amendment is women with guns. And so especially in this high crime era that we live in. So we're going to ask her about all of those things. And then we're going to throw to an interview we first did last night on the TV show, Just the News, Not Noise, Kevin Brock the great intelligence chief of the FBI. He worked for Robert Mueller back in the day. He was the guy that came in after 9-11 and reoriented the FBI on how to not only solve crimes, but to prevent terror attacks. It's a different mindset. And there were all of these legal hurdles that existed before 9-11 in sharing intelligence in a way that it might actually result in stopping a terror attack. It was really the undercurrent of the failures of the FBI and CIA when they had all the elements of the 9-11 plot but failed to connect the dots and put it together. This is the man that actually put those processes into place. He looks at the new documentation that we've gotten for Capitol Police and tells us whether, looking in hindsight, armchair quarterbacking, 
the Capitol Police had enough of the intelligence to prevent the attack, the rioting that occurred on January 6, 2021. You're going to really be surprised what he has to say. He has some very strong thoughts about just how actionable the intelligence was that the Capitol Police got. A great interview and a lot of food for thought as we head into the weekend. The Democrats are putting on a big sideshow and it's distracting from this argument, this piece of information, which is what could have been done better to protect the Capitol? Were the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th? It's a discussion Democrats don't want to have. It's a discussion Americans need to have. Otherwise, our Capitol will be as unsafe the next time as it was on January 6th. That is a bad thing. That's why we've been writing these stories and providing you the facts out there that you've been getting from Just the News and the John Solomon Reports podcast. So let's go take a quick commercial break. When we come back up first, Amy Swearer, followed by Kevin Brock from the FBI, former FBI intelligence chief. You're going to love two big interviews, one on the Second Amendment, one on the January 6th riots, both of them meaningful heading into this great weekend, Father's Day weekend. In fact, to everyone, have a happy Father's Day early, men, gentlemen, fathers. Thank you for raising your children. Thank you to my dad, Jack, who gave me an incredible lifetime of opportunity by raising me so especially. Happy Father's Day. All right, let's go take that commercial break. We'll be back first with Amy Swearer, legal fellow at the Edwin Meese Center for Legal and Judicial Studies at the Heritage Foundation. She's up first right after this commercial break. Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you out at your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, Thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. 
All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Really excited to have this next guest on the show for the first time. She has been one of the most cogent voices on the Second Amendment for a long time. She's a legal fellow at the Edwin Meese Center for Legal and Judicial Studies at the Heritage Foundation. And you probably saw her on YouTube and Rumble last week. She had an epic showdown with Congresswoman Katie Porter over uh, what Democrats have been saying about gun legislation. Joining me right now, Amy Swearer. Amy, great to have you on the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I want to start with this extraordinary moment. You're, you're testifying a Democratic Congresswoman, Katie Porter, comes after you from California and essentially accuses you of lying about a statement that I think was factually true. Tell us a little bit about what happened at that House Oversight and Reform Committee hearing. Yeah, so this, this was a House Oversight and Reform Committee hearing just broadly about, you know, all manner of gun control and, I mean, really no focus to it other than to just sort of, you know, talk about how horrific some of these recent shootings have been and and here's all of the gun control now you know how how dare you you know push back in any way shape or form you know, and at some point you expect this to be contentious when you go as a witness to hearings like this but what i did not have on my congressional hearing bingo card was being literally accused of perjury uh, about a hearing from three years ago. So Congresswoman Porter, you know, rather than focus on any of the issues, on anything that any witness, including myself, had said that day or any of the bills pending before the House, you know, currently in this session, um, she brought up uh, just a, a part of a converse, uh, part of a, a question I had answered three years ago during testimony about a, a, just a quote assault weapons generally. Um, and she sort of took it out of context and, and, you know, not sort of kind of accused me of perjury, but literally accused me of perjury, yeah. of, of lying under oath, um, which is a very serious allegation. That is not something you just sort of flippantly throw out there. Um, and, and so, of course, you know, I rushed to defend myself. Um, she smartly reclaimed her time because this was never about whether or not I had committed perjury. Of right. course, I had not. Um, you know, this was about getting her little sound bite, um, you know, her little quick baby video because she's up for re-election this year. Um, and, and I think it's, it's unfortunate, but it's also very indicative of sort of the thrust of this hearing. It was not serious. It was not about serious solutions. Nope. It was always about clickbait. Yeah. Sound, sound bites, clickbait and fundraising material, right? Because they fundraise off of these moments in the, in the hearings. I thought in your column, you, you, you made a very cogent point, which is, you know, she said, the time belongs to me. She reclaimed her time. You said it really didn't belong to her. And it, and it didn't belong to you either. It really belongs to the victims of unspeakable tragedy. That's the problem here. All of this politics that is going on in these hearings, none of it actually is going to make life any better for the people whose lives have already been lost or whose families have been affected by lost lives. How frustrating is it that Congress can't have serious conversations anymore? Well, it's, it's incredibly frustrating. Um, you know, I, I think it should be frustrating for everybody. But, you know, th there is a sense when, you know, as I said in, in my opening for that hearing, um, you know, th this is now uh, more than a handful of times that I've been called to testify before various you know, state and federal legislatures after these mass shootings. Um, and they are horrific. They are devastating toward communities. Um, but we keep having the same conversations. Yeah, it's not that there's something new being added to the conversations. It's the same policy proposals that still have the same constitutional and practical problems that they did last year and the year before that. And that, unfortunately, they're going to have the same problems next year and the year after that when we keep getting called back um, because they're not they're not designed to get at the root 
of the problem. They're, they're not designed to, to even function in a serious manner against gun violence, even if you could enforce them, which many of them, you really can't. Um, so it's, it's just frustrating because it's, it's you know, it says in Ecclesiastes, right, there's, there's truly nothing new under the sun. Um, and it's, it, it just keeps getting more frustrating. And I think the American people deserve better. They deserve serious conversations about the real problems. Yeah, and it's just, they're just not getting it anymore. I mean, I, I came to town 30 years ago, and back in those days, even if there was a gun debate, it was serious, and both sides got their point, got to make their point. Facts were involved, and now it's all about emotion and uh, scripted uh, moments and uh, in political nonsense. Um, I want to I wanna zero in on something that I think is uh, getting a lot of attention right now. There are some Republicans that appear to be gravitating this way. And that is red flag laws. There's a lot of states that have them. You have some concerns about the due process elements of red flag laws. Tell us a little bit what concerns you about this idea. Sure. So I, I want to start off by saying, you know, red flag laws at least start from a, a, a addressing a serious problem, which is that when you look at people who commit suicide and specifically people who commit mass public shootings, um, they are almost always, with perhaps one exception for mass public shooters, capable of passing background checks, despite you know very clearly being a danger to themselves or others. Um, and that some of that has to do with the ways that our laws are currently written. And so red flag laws are sort of this attempt to get at this, this group of people who are dangerous but may not be diagnosably mentally ill or haven't yet committed a felony to sort of say, how do we get them help and, and you know, make sure that they don't have lethal means is readily accessible to them. The problem has become when you look at the 20 states that have enacted these laws, yes, some of them are less objectionable than others, but none of them have really done a great job of you know, ensuring adequate due process, ensuring that people are being um, you know, pointed in the direction of help, so that it's not just about disarming them, but getting them help. Um, they haven't uh, you know, universally done a great job of um, sort of the practical aspects of notification, who is storing the guns, how do you get your guns back? Um, you know, how do we make sure that, that people's identities are, are protected and this isn't being held against them for years on end? Um, and it's the same problem that is going to continue to exist. I think, you know, we, we don't have language yet for any sort of proposed federal red flag law out of the Senate. You know, for at least from a theoretical standpoint, going to be very difficult for Congress to, you know, pass this, this sort of language that states can just copy and paste regardless of, you know, which state it is under what circumstances that are going to really have robust due process protections and the comprehensive nature that these laws need. And, you know, you sort of have to assume at that point in Congress that that's what states are going to do if they want that money. They're just going to copy and paste and say this is sufficient. Um, and, I, and I don't know how Congress can actually come up with that language that can just be copied and pasted for any state. Um, and at that point, again, it just becomes problematic to incentivize states to do just that. Yeah, that's going to be the trick. And I know a lot of people, including the NRA, said, hey, we're going to wait to see what the language is before we weigh on this. But I think the devil's always in the detail on these things. Despite that effort, and despite there's some bipartisanship and some, you know, I think well-intentioned, though maybe uh, not well-researched yet, ideas on the table in Congress, you have wrote, a, I think, one of the most important articles written in the last month on this issue, and that is, we already have effective gun violence solutions, we just won't listen to them or use them. Tell us a little bit about that column and, and the, the solutions that are really at our fingertips right now if we want to go execute them. 
Yeah, so th- this is actually the the written submission that I gave to the House that I you know was hoping they would read and, and take seriously, and it goes hand in hand with a, a similar um, submission that uh, will be published shortly that I, I gave to the Senate um, about school safety in particular. So one of the big things, and, and this is something I was on a different uh, on a Senate panel about a week after the the House panel, right? And you know, I was sitting with a, a a chief of police who said some of the same things that I've been saying, and this first point, which is. You need state and federal prosecutors to take crime seriously under existing laws. Um, and unfortunately, too many cities, um, you know, this, this generally falls to state and local governments, but these state and local counterparts have oftentimes, you know, while singling out the rights of peaceable gun owners, turn around and don't fully hold violent criminals accountable for their actions. Um, and that's problematic. It incentivizes and encourages criminals to continue behaving in certain ways. Um, so we need to crack down on those laws that actually exist. Um, and that's just not happening. And again, this isn't to say police are not doing their jobs. A lot of times these are progressive prosecutors who are not fully enforcing the law. Um, and so that's the first thing we need to look at. Um, but there are a lot of other things. You know, you, we talk about school safety. Um, Our kids are actually remarkably safe at school. I know sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but we need to talk about how to make them safer. Um, Right now, schools have over $100 billion in COVID-19 relief funds that have, it's already been given to them. Um, So I think Congress needs to allow those funds, now that the the pandemic is winding down, to use them for school security, to talk about, you know, the physical security of schools, armed responses, um, investing in the short term, in you know licensed mental health practitioners who can help when you know when, when these kids are are becoming very dangerous to themselves or others being able to intervene these are incredibly important um to, to prevent atrocities like what we saw in Uvalde, where a single locked and i guess in, in that point unlocked door yeah. was the difference between 21 people dying or going home yep. um, but it, you know these are the things that people don't want talk about, or at least not, you know, at, at, a, at a congressional level, because it's unpopular. It doesn't sell as well as saying, well, let's just take all the guns. Um, but it would be incredibly, incredibly effective. You know, it's, it's the same thing um, for, for funding anti-gang violence measures, for investing in the nation's mental health structure, promoting safe storage and responsible gun ownership without, you know, turning around and, and imposing criminal burdens on, on gun owners or, or hindering their ability to, to make reasonable decisions or respond immediately. Um, you know, those sorts of things can be incredibly helpful. Uh, and it's not gun control. It's more getting at the root of the problem and encouraging and incentivizing it. Yeah. There's so much effort to want to blame the weapon, but it's always the human behind the weapon that is the the real risk and the real opportunity. And one of the things I know you, you mentioned, and this is something I heard a lot of after 9-11 in the FBI committee, which is we need to do better risk assessment and we need to have better training for risk assessment so we can make good calls on people who might actually be moving towards a violent act versus someone who's simply practicing their constitutional duty. Why is that so important in this scenario today, uh, in, the, in the culture we're in today? Well, you know, as you said, most of most of these targeted acts of mass violence, whether it's Buffalo, whether it's Uvalde, um, they involve people who were, were clearly dangerous. And what you see is a breakdown somewhere along the line of the chain of reporting. Either, either someone didn't recognize that as a, a sign that it's problematic or, or poses a threat, or when they report it to someone, you know, it's not taken seriously or there's not some sort of, you know, uh, official mechanism to intervene. 
Um, and this is something that the federal government actually does really well. You look at some of these federal agencies, they have experts in behavioral threat assessment. We don't really have that at a state and local level um, or within our schools. You know, you look at what Florida did after Parkland with some of their behavioral uh, threat assessment uh, teams that they have set up in schools. Um, So part of this is taking what we know works at a federal level and investing in the state and local level. And and this is this is regardless of whatever other laws you have. This is not about red flag laws. Um, You know, this is helping people identify threats. And when you do that, you also help them identify things that are not threats so that they can suss out the difference, you know, between someone who might be a school shooter and, and someone who, you know, is just, you know, the, the MAGA hat wearing neighbor who has an NRA bumper sticker and, you know, your, your other neighbor doesn't like him. And, you know, now he's, he's getting accused of being a threat. It helps suss out those different things when you have people at that level who know what to look for, who know what is and is not a threat and what to do about it and how to set up those mechanisms so that they're in place when this happens. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. You write often for the Daily Signal. I think one of the things that the Daily Signal does so well at the Heritage Foundation is provide real life examples of people, good people, lawfully using their gun in a defensive situation that almost always saves lives. And a lot of the more recent ones, I know have involved women. Uh, you had a very powerful column, I think, back in April. Ten incidents highlight the importance of Second Amendment for women. Why don't these get more attention? Why don't Republicans in Congress do more to call attention to this? Uh, why don't they get an equal hearing in, in the congressional debates that are going on right now? Well, I think, you know, part of it is it's it's not within the national consciousness. I think a lot of people just truly do not understand how often Americans are using they're lawfully owned firearms to defend themselves or others. Um, so that the stories that we publish, and, and you can see a lot more of them if you go to the Heritage Defensive Gun Use Database. I'm hoping to get that updated um, by early next week with, with stories from the last month. Um, it's just the tip of the iceberg. You know, these are the ones that you can find in a Google search if, if you know sort of what to Google for. Um, but, you know, it, it's often just part of it is it, it's the, the, the atrocities that didn't happen. Right. It, it, it's much less, um, you know, uh, sexy from a, a media standpoint if, well, you know, the, the, the homeowner didn't die and just held the guy at gunpoint. Right. right. Um, because it's, a, it's the story that doesn't happen. It, it's, it's the crimes that are prevented. Um, but, you know, we're talking about um, 500,000 to 3 million times a year that this happens. And this is not me. This is not the NRA or GOA saying this. This comes from the CDC in 2013 under the Obama administration, looking at all of these studies on this and saying, yeah, you know, almost every major study on this says it's between 500,000 to 3 million times a year. I think the average is probably about a million. That's far, far more often than guns are used for violent crimes to perpetuate crimes against people. Um, And it's, it's such an important part of this conversation. It is exactly why we have a Second Amendment. The Second Amendment is premised on that natural inalienable right of self-defense and giving it teeth so that you actually have a meaningful defense, not just a defense on paper, but you have the actual practical ability to defend your other rights and liberties, whether it's against criminals or against invading armies or against tyrants. That is why we have it. And it works. We know that it works. We see in the data that it works, and we should not be going after these law-abiding, peaceable citizens who are not the problem. Yeah, the wrong target. The wrong target becomes the wrong solution. And I think that's so amazing to watch this. 
you have been so astute in kind of predicting where this has been going and, and what debates need to be happen, happening. Uh, what should we be watching for over the next couple of months as bellwether signs of where Second Amendment issues are coming up? We've got a big ruling about to come out at the Supreme Court, we mm-hmm. think. We've got, you know, this uh, bipartisan deal uh, kind of hatching in Congress. What are the most important bellwether signs we should be looking for for the Second Amendment? Well, I, I think you've just mentioned two of them. Um, you know, it will be important to see sort of what comes out of in terms of actual language from the, this bipartisan framework and, and whether that actually ends up getting passed and, and whether if it does get passed, whether the Democrats in the House would you know, consider it beneath them to pass it because it's, you know, it's, it's not banning the AR-15. Yeah. Um, so that'll be interesting. Um, th- this uh, public carry case out of New York, we should be getting that case any day now. Um, you know, and, and for, for a lot of Americans, you know, for, who live in the majority of states that already allow you to, to bear arms in self-defense in, in public, um, it may not make much of a difference. But for millions of Americans in you know, the, the eight or nine states that, that currently don't allow that, it's going to make a world of difference. Um, I, I think it is very clear that the court took this case, that there will be a majority of justices who affirm that the Second Amendment means what it says, that it's not just to keep but to bear arms, that you do have a right to bear arms in public right. self-defense. Um, and so you will see states having to to at least have some mechanism uh, of allowing that. And, and that's going to be huge for millions of Americans who currently don't have that. And then I think it will be important to see what the court does next. Um, so after Heller and McDonald in 2008 and 2010, they, they just sort of let states do whatever they wanted and let lower courts you know, run amok for 10 years um, before we got to this. And so I think I think it will be important to see if the court wants to continue to be serious about this, if they're going to take on things like states that have assault bans on, quote, assault weapons. Right. Um, you know, it, it states that that ban possession for, for individuals under 21. Um, I, I think it'll be that will be important. What does the court do next? Yeah, it is enormously important. And I think watching that, uh, a lot of people will be watching and reading. It is interesting that the word choice does matter, right? They didn't say the right to keep arms. They said the right to bear arms. And I think we're going to get the clearest, the potential for the clearest definition of what the courts believe the founding fathers meant with that in this ruling. This seems to be the big ruling to, to, to flush that out. You are doing such amazing work, Amy. How do people stay in touch with all that you're doing? What's the best way to follow your work? Well, you can always follow me on Twitter if you have it. It's just at Amy Swearer, so at first name, last name. Uh, you can always read uh, what we're, we're doing either at heritage.org or at our sort of more media uh, arm of heritage, which is the dailysignal.com. But you know, every, everything I do there will almost certainly end up on, on Twitter at some point. Um, so if you're if you're okay with occasional uh, cat pictures and sports hot takes, uh, follow me on. on I think most people are. Yeah, that's great. Well, listen, you're doing such important work. Uh, I, I, so many people were uh, just uh, uh, stunned to watch the way the congresswoman treated you last week, and uh, that that video went viral for all the right reasons. And it's good to see that uh, we can have a good conversation, a civil conversation with facts and ideas, because there's a lot of them that you're, you're putting into the public domain that would really, really help this country. So, Amy, thanks so much for your time today. Great to have you on the show and have a great weekend. Thank you for having me. You as well. Thank you. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, the former intelligence director of the FBI, Kevin Brock, is going to join us to tell us about what he sees and all that information we've published at Just the News. The Capitol Police had so much intelligence warning of January 6th. We're going to have the discussion whether it was avoidable or not right after this commercial break.
All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they've also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, AMAC.us slash just news. That's AMAC.us forward slash just news. Hey folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. Welcome back, everybody. We are delighted to welcome back to the program Kevin Brock. He's the former FBI Assistant Director of Intelligence. We love getting your insight, Kevin. Thank you so much for joining us again. Well, thank you, Amanda. It's always a pleasure to be with you. Thanks. Well, I am very proud that John is my co-host because he continues to report on aspects surrounding January 6th, the latest, that there was at least two weeks worth of warnings before January 6th, information about uh, there were maps online on uh, the Donald.win, which is a subreddit forum uh, with private membership, people posting um, information about explosives that they planned on bringing, all of these things that are very, very concerning, stuff that you would think would be important to know on January 6th, and yet there seemed to have been a breakdown in communication somewhere along that chain. I want to get your initial reaction. Yeah, this is a little disheartening. And again, I'll, I'll preface my mar- remarks by saying, you know, we have benefited 2020 hindsight and, and we don't know all the facts. However, uh, this is a little bit distressing because what they uh, what uh, John has uncovered is information that landed in the laps of Capitol Hill police two weeks prior 
not a day prior, but two weeks prior with great specificity. This is what we call in the intelligence world, actionable intelligence. That's, that's the main goal. That's, that's what every intelligence professional wants to develop and analyze is intelligence that informs decision makers about something that they can take action on. A lot of intelligence we get is, is a little bit murky. You're not sure where it's gonna happen, when it's gonna happen, who's involved. Uh, and you're, you're running around trying to, to protect everything. And, and, but when you have actionable intelligence, it gives you a level of specificity of details to where you can take steps to help prevent a bad thing from happening. That's what we all want. That's what we're all looking for. So when you, you come across information that looks like the Capitol Hill Police had actionable intelligence with great specificity, we know when the event's taking place. We've got these bad actors talking about it uh, on the Internet. Uh, they're, they're, they're publishing schematics of the Capitol, uh, the tunnel system and everything else. Uh, that is a, a, a huge warning signal to any law enforcement or intelligence entity that they have to take steps to prepare. So why it broke down from there, I'm sure we're going to uh, find out. This probably, uh, this, this one bit of information probably deserves its own hearings to find out. Uh, why why proper steps weren't taken well in advance of, of the uh, January 6th events. Yeah, such a great point. Uh, Kevin, I don't know if a lot of people know this about you, but I know because I got to watch it firsthand as a reporter. You came in in the aftermath of 9-11 and really helped retrain the FBI from its normal job of solving crimes after they happen to creating a proactive way of preventing terrorist attacks. Reading intelligence with the idea that we're gonna stop something, not solve a crime, you, you single-handedly transformed. You played a big role with the men you worked with, men and women you worked with, to change that mentality. When you look back at this, does the Capitol Police kind of look like the FBI of 2000 and 2001? Well, first of all, let me uh, thank you for those compliments, but I'll disabuse you of one notion. I didn't single-handedly do <laughs> yeah. No, it took a group, I know. And, uh, we, but we were obviously after 9-11 charged with pro creating a culture of intelligence gathering analysis uh, to what I just spoke about before to, to provide insights into possible actionable intelligence that we can so where we can take steps to prevent bad things from happening. Now, the FBI always wanted to prevent bad things from happening. I had a number of cases as an agent where we stopped terrorism before uh, before uh, it occurred. However, the big difference was the development of that intelligence wasn't always shared efficiently. It wasn't always shared with the people who had the right to know about that intelligence. We, we have created by design a stovepiped law enforcement intelligence community in this country as a as a means of protecting the populace against one centralized, huge uh, intelligence apparatus like the KGB or something like that. So in, in a sense, it's, it's wise policy to have separate agencies, but in another sense, it creates a situation where you have agencies developing intelligence and it's not always uh, shared efficiently. We saw that obviously in spades uh, during 9-11. That created a lot of change, that created the impetus for for pushing out intelligence bulletins broadly to those who need it. So we have a, an instance here where it looks like the Capitol Hill Police received intelligence from the Department of Homeland Security, from other elements within uh, the Washington DC law enforcement community uh, that gave them intelligence that, that should have been acted on. Now there's usually two reasons why that fails. Number one, the, the, um, the people who receive it don't recognize it for its seriousness and its value, and maybe you're inexperienced and, and they don't get the information out on a timely basis. 
The second is, and this is kind of unlikely in this situation, the second is that law enforcement and intelligence community are often inundated with information uh, about different threats. And it's kind of the cry wolf scenario where you, you start wondering whether is this real or not. In this instance, with this amount of specificity and, with, and knowing that a, a, an event's coming up on January 6th, uh, this should have been treated more seriously than it looks like it was. Yeah. And Kevin, you know, the, the FBI is a storied institution, but I think it looks very different than it did when you were at the FBI. I think that its reputation and the culture within the FBI has drastically changed and the American people have lost faith in the entire intelligence community, not only because of January 6th, but of course the supposed kidnapping attempt of Gretchen Whitmer. Is there any way to, to right the ship? Because it, it seems awfully like the tentacles of corruption within the FBI are so deep that it might be a situation where we have to scrap it. Yeah, I've always, Amanda, I've always argued against that. Um, I, I certainly, because of the legacy of James Comey, Andrew McCabe and Peter Strzok, the FBI suffered a tremendous blow. And it, it lost the faith and, faith and confidence of 50% of America uh, because of, of the way that they, they handled the whole Trump-Russia made-up collusion narrative that crippled the FBI. I resist the idea that corruption runs deep in the FBI. There are many, many challenges that they're going to have to overcome. However, I will say that the FBI and Department of Justice has to do a better job at reassuring the American people that they are acting in a nonpartisan way. DOJ, we see we see problems with that, frankly, uh, with the way they're, uh, you know, they, they reacted against parents and school boards or the way they reacted against uh, journalists up in New York that were you know, supposedly harboring the president's daughter's diary. All of these things shakes the confidence of the American people that, that justice is being administered in an even-handed, objective way. That's the most precious thing that the FBI owns. They are going to have to strive on a daily basis to make sure that those perceptions don't exist. And where they do exist, they should be transparent, come out, address them head on, and make those reassurances. If they don't, then they deserve the reputation that they're going to have to live with. Yeah, that's a great point, Kevin. We got about 45 seconds left. Uh, you see the problems here in the Capitol, please. You, you, there could be hearings on this. What's the most important thing that you would tell the Capitol Police? Hey guys, this is what I would focus on. We got about 40 seconds left. The Capitol Hill Police are obviously, a lot of people didn't even know about the Capitol Hill Police. They just assumed police department run by Washington, D.C. Yeah. Uh, monitor so, you know, now they've come into focus. They're, they're 600 strong. They're a large agency. They've got tremendously valuable assets to protect, not just the, the heritage of our capital, but the people who, who are, are work there. And they need that protection. Their role is tremendously uh, important. They have to take it seriously. And I think this will probably engender a lot of policy changes within uh, Capitol Hill Police in the years to come. We're going to have to leave it there just because we're about to hit a break. Thank you for joining us, sir. Folks, we'll be right back after this commercial break. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. 
visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. So glad you can join us. Two great interviews. Big thanks to Amy. Big thanks to Kevin for some pretty thoughtful, insightful, cutting-edge information. That's why we do this show, to get you inside the news, get you facts, that you make up your own mind. We're not trying to make up your mind for you. We're trying to get you the facts that you can make a good, educated decision on what's going on in Washington, going on in this country. And I think that that's one of the most important things that we can contribute to the debate here. Hey, before we go, I want to give everybody another just opportunity that comes our way because of the incredible partnerships that Justin News and John Solomon reports is lucky to have one of our longtime partners have been with us almost from the beginning. Birch Gold Group. You know them. You hear Philip Patrick on our show all the time. He is, I think, one of the most important economic analysts in the country. He's a gold specialist, of course, from the Birch Gold Group. So think about this. I was just absorbing this last night. Some of the greatest blue chip companies of modern America, Amazon, well, its value is down 37% in the last year. Tesla, it's down 40%. Cryptos have been slammed and dropping in value, so cryptocurrencies. And many fear that the hawkish moves by the Fed is too late to slow inflation, but will stall the economy, create that scenario that we call stagflation. So do you have a plan to survive that? Are you thinking about that? Because if you're not, you're going to see a big reduction in your economic value, your net worth, your assets. We are heading into a difficult time, according to all the folks. In fact, there was a great story on Justin News this morning, a survey of the big CEOs in America. Almost all of them think we are headed into recession, if not full stagflation. So it's a good time for you, maybe, to diversify into gold, the most stable asset in the history of the world. And Birch Gold Group is the company I trust to help you convert an IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold and silver. I bet you didn't know that, that you can move some of your retirement assets and protect them with the great value of gold and precious metals gold and silver. That's really the most important thing. Now, here's how you get started. You want to get the incredible, no obligation, infocate that Birch Gold Group has created. All you got to do is text the word Just News to 989899. Let me give you that again. Text the word Just News, one word, to 989898 and get your free, no obligation infocate on gold from the Birch Gold Group. They are the precious metals professionals. I trust them enough to buy from them. Text Just News 989898 and you will be able to start to secure your retirement savings right away. One more time. Text the word Just News to 989898. It's pretty easy to remember. All right, guys, on the show tonight, Congressman Brian Babin's going to be on. Charlie Kirk is going to be on from TPUSA. We're going to have a good discussion about border security, all the things that are going on in the world today. And this weekend, we've got an all-star lineup from Sunday. Some of the best interviews we did from the TV show earlier in the week. We've got Mike Huckabee is on the show, the former governor of Arkansas, and soon to be, I think, the father of the next governor of Arkansas, Sarah Sanders. 
We've got Congresswoman Claudia Tenney on. We've got the Attorney General from Texas, Ken Paxton. He's doing some really important stuff. Harriet Hageman, well, she's running against Liz Cheney and has a lot to say about what we broke about the Capitol security breach. And finally, of course, we've got the great senator from Kentucky. I'm not I'm talking about Mitch McConnell. I'm talking about Rand Paul. Rand Paul's here. He had some really prescient things to talk about in bringing down government spending, balancing the budget. He put the six penny plan into action last week. It's a very important, thoughtful plan. We get a chance to talk to him about that. That's pretty cool, isn't it? All right, folks, have a great weekend. Fathers and dads everywhere, mine included, Jack Solomon. Happy Father's Day. Thank you for what you do to make a difference in your children's life. I know my dad made a profound difference, and he still makes a profound difference to this day. All right, folks, everybody have a great weekend. Listen in on Sunday. You won't be disappointed. God bless you, and God bless this incredible country, the United States, as he always has. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner, whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite. You and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe.